0: Good morning everybody. How are you doing? Still awake? Okay, not that sure. Okay, so if you would like to turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 138, and that's kind of where we're going to look this morning. I'll take a little bit of time in Psalm 138. Um, Before that, I want to Continue a missions theme and I want to pray for somebody because right now just ending right now in the city of Turin, Turino in Italy, Calvary Turino, the Calvary Chapel in Turino is doing a massive outreach in one of the musical conservatories there with a team from Tennessee and this is, this is a fantastic opportunity in downtown Turin and so I, I would like us to pray for them. Amen. Because you know, we don't have to go to influence what's going on on the other side of the earth. You know, we can do it by praying prayers that move the hand that moves the world. And that's our heart missions, isn't it? Wherever we are. So let's pray. Father, we do pray right now for uh, Pastor Dave in, in Torino with the, the whole team there that you would pour your spirit out on the city of Turin that you would touch, you would minister to each heart. Father, as they bring that time to a conclusion, as, as even as the word has been preached, may it find a rich vein of soil in which to, to be planted and ultimately bear fruit. And Father, will you bless and keep that, uh, that church? Will you bless and keep that fellowship? Father, will you bless and encourage uh, the leadership there in their steps of faith, Father? Lead us, teach us, have your way in them. Lord, pour your spirit out, protect them. And Lord, as we continue in your word, we, we do ask that you would lead us, you would teach us, you would have your way in our hearts. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Psalm 138, and, and I'm... I'm one of those guys who religiously, and I use that maybe in the wrong sense, I don't know, speaks with notes. But I'm not going to speak with notes today. So it could be a train wreck. Who knows? But we're going to be in Psalm 138. And and the reason for that is just something that's very personally on my heart. Because at the end of the day, our faith in Christ is eminently and significantly personal. It's eminently and significantly personal. And and God's plan, of which He has, is eminently and singularly personal, not only to the world, but to us. And God individually cares, not just globally but intimately and significantly and personally about us. And, and I think sometimes we forget that. I think, I, I know in my own heart, it's a lot easier for me to theologically say, God loves the world. God will be good. God will give grace. But, but to suddenly go, God will give grace to me there's almost a hesitation in my soul for a moment because I know me. And yet, that is the story of grace. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I think, you know, we're always great with the theory and the practice is sometimes a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Sometimes there is a, there's a significant gap between those, those two things. I mean, I, I, in one of the various hats I've worn over the years was, was teaching skiing, and I used to teach skiing in, in Europe. And I was teaching skiing in one of the, the European resorts, and we were, we were teaching a, a mid-level class, and we were, we were on a steep slope, and we were about to do skiing over moguls or bumps. You know, horrible things that get in the way when you're trying to do something. Uh, and, and the night before, we'd sat and we'd talked about this and we worked through, well, this is, this is the things that you have to do to not die, right? And if you can do more than that and survive, that's brilliant. Right, but these are the things you have to do. And everybody got it and everybody could repeat it and they said, oh, yeah, we understand it. And then we, and then we did it. And and there was one, this particular lady who was so committed. I mean, she was really committed. And she went down these 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 bumps and... There were sticks and bags and body parts strewn all over the, all over the place. Literally about 40, 50 yards of a, of a yard sale with stuff everywhere. And then she gets to the bottom and she looks at me and she's looking for feedback. And I am lost for words. Not often a state in which I find myself. And the only thing that comes to my mind was, that was like a giraffe falling down an escalator. And she looked at that, and she went, and she, with, with, with a look of pride, she owned that, and went, yes. <laughs> but the night before, she, she understood everything to do, but the practice was slightly different. And I think sometimes we're like that with the scriptures. We're like that with the scriptures in, in the area of the belief that God is, he loves and he's committed and he'll give grace. But when, when it's actually about. Will God love me, give grace to me? Will he help me in my situation? There's a momentary hesitation which is not appropriate. And today we're going to look at a psalm um, that is is very much a personal expression of the heart of David. So I'm going to to read it to you, and my version is is slightly different Uh, It might be made a little bit different from yours, Um, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I really want to focus in one or two verses. But the tag for this, the thing that really connects this is, is for me personally, is verse eight. And depending on your your, your version, it will say something like this, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And that, that verse, for me, has been part of my journey with the Lord, both personally and in missions and in ministry, for as long as I can remember, which at my age is actually not very far. So in reality, it goes all the way back to 1978 when I got saved. And for some reason, that has been an anchor personally to my soul, knowing that God is that interested in the uniqueness of my situation. He's not just globally interested, and he is globally interested, but he is intimately, personally, and significantly committed and interested in me. And the Lord will perfect the things that concern me. So that's kind of where we're going, okay? As I say, without notes, there's not a lot of points here. So we'll see where we go. So I want to read this to you, and then I'll pull out a few thoughts as we go with this. I will celebrate you with all my heart before the gods I will sing of your praise. I will worship towards your holy temple, and I will celebrate your name for your mercy and your truth because you have exalted your word even above your name. In the day in which I called upon you, you responded to me and you made me bold and placed strength within my spirit. All the kings of the earth, they will celebrate you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. They will sing of the ways of the Lord because he is great and glorious is the Lord even though the Lord is exalted he has regard to the humble but the proud he knows from a long distance even though I walk in the midst of adversity you will conserve my life you will extend your hand towards the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me the Lord will complete his work in me O Lord Your mercy endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would um, lead us, you would teach us, you would have your way in our hearts. And you would encourage us in the things to which you, you have called us to, to the very things of our lives. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness and pray that you, that, that you, by your Spirit, would open your word to us and that we may be encouraged, we may be blessed, we may be moved, we may be changed, that, that we personally would, uh, as we eventually when we ever leave this place, we would actually leave it differently. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but, but and, and I, some, of, some of you I know, having been around for like 40, 15 years, and a lot of you, I, I, don't, I don't know you, and, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. But one thing I know is that all of us have an individual life which probably today is quite complicated. You know, for, for a whole manner of reasons. It could be complicated from health reasons, it could be complicated from relationship reasons, it could be complicated because... Of work, it could be complicated because of the country you're in, it could be complicated because of the country you're from, it could be complicated because of the country you want to go to. Penny explained that with her situation and the complexities surrounding visas and being in a place which you can't be in. Our lives are individually complicated. And to know that the Lord is individually and intimately concerned about the detail of those things, I think is, is encouraging. I, I'm, I'm trying to work out my life. My life's a bit nutty um, in that I, I work, and Gwen and I work. Um, we left England in 1978. We went to Austria for four years with two children who were at the age of three and a half and like one and a half spent four years in, in southern Austria working with Bible school there and church planting there. We then moved that Bible school with a bunch of other guys, some of the guys who are going to speak to at the couple's evening, Jeremy, Foster and Christy, those guys, great guys, come along tonight, it'll be good, to Central Eastern Europe, Hungary, which I didn't even know where Hungary was at that point in time, and people always make the joke, are you hungry because you go to Hungary? <laughs> Not a clever joke, uh, right, went there, didn't know what it was, got there end up living in a place that that, um, is fairly difficult to pronounce because it's V-A-J-T-A and it isn't pronounced Vajta. lived in a place called Vojta in a castle for a while. Did eight years there doing Bible school, church planting across Europe. Had a vision to come and do something in the Southern Hemisphere. Came down in 2009, worked with Steve, got an idea of that. Came down in 2010, we started Bible school, ran Bible school until... Pretty much a year and a half ago, the Trust is still doing, even though Bible School's not open, this Trust is still doing all the things that Trust did, church planting in Fiji. So yesterday I was in Fiji. I got back sometime. Was it yesterday? Friday. I have no idea what date it is. It must be Sunday because we're doing this that way. So Friday I was in Fiji working with the church. They're establishing the board for Nasinu in Suva a church plant that we're doing out of there there's also a church plant in the Hawke's Bay and we're doing a bunch of other stuff and we're currently doing leadership training with churches in Secret Harbour Albany that's WA uh, West Australia Um, we're also doing that with Calvary Chapel in Mansfield about to do it with Calvary Chapel Southampton in England about to do that with Calvary Chapel Church in the Way Bradford in Idle in Bradford so we're still doing stuff right and my life's complicated. I've taken 36 international flights since the beginning of January. And I'm on a plane on Thursday. Is it Thursday? Thursday, yeah. So it's complicated. It's very complicated. But to the very fact that the Lord is intimately concerned in our lives is so, so significant. Now, Gwyn and I work with a group called Poyman in Europe, which is uh, 13 couples worldwide, which, which basically come alongside senior leadership to encourage them. So, whether it's helping with finding a new pastor, working with a pastor who wants a break, working with to help establish elders within uh, a church, covering the pulpit, uh, all those different sort of things. Just having a voice to talk to sometimes. So, we're doing that across. A multitude of nations working with, with pastors in Serbia, in Hungary, in Scandinavia, uh, in Italy, um, as well as here, and as well as in a few other places that we don't name. That's um, complicated. So the very fact that, that God is interested in my life is a wonderful thing. Notice in the first couple of verses, the response of David, whose life was not simple... We know the life of David, man after the heart of God's own heart, but not a man who was perfect by any way to shape your imagination. There's probably 10 years of his life where he's running away from Saul in the wilderness, living in caves. His life was not simple. Yet he begins this particular psalm in the opening two verses by saying, I will celebrate you with all my heart before the God's I will sing your praise. I will worship towards your holy temple and celebrate your name because of your mercy and your truth. And he's going to do that because he has a because. He has a reason. And in the first couple of verses, what you find is there is an overriding supreme statement and promise that makes a difference to us personally. Because he gives us the reason why he says, Pereke. He says, You have exalted your word even above your name. You have magnified your word even above your name. And it may say in your Bible, above your fame. Because the idea is about the greatness of God embodied in his name and in his reputation, who he is. God has magnified his word even above his name. Now that means something. I'm not sure we can plumb the depths of it because I don't, I don't think I understand the depths of that. But the very fact that God is committing himself to the, his very word, even above his own name, can do nothing but bring us an extraordinary level of confidence when God has given promises to us. Peter tells us that God, we've been given great and precious promises that we may become partakers of the divine nature. God's word is full of promises to us. And those promises are immovable. Those promises are the very currency of heaven. Those promises are are not lacking in any form of force or power or weight. They are not in any way impotent because God has even magnified his word above his name. Right? Now we've got to get ahead around the name thing here, right? Because if you go back to uh, Exodus three, Exodus three, you have this unique situation where Moses is doing stuff in the desert, right comes across a bush that is burning. Now the bush is burning. It's not an unusual sight in the desert. But what is unusual about this bush is it's burning. But it, in itself, it is not being consumed, I and mean, that's the problem with, with you know feeding your fire with wood. In it, you have to keep doing it. You have to go out in the cold and get it and come back in, and it's cold. This bush was not being consumed. So it says that Moses steps aside, and out of him ultimately speaks an angel to him, and ultimately God speaks to him. And at that point, God commissions him to go to Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Right? And uh, Moses, having a certain degree of awareness around the situation, is probably playing that through in his mind. Because he's going to go and stand before the most powerful man at that point in time, the most powerful man on earth, and tell them that he's got to let go this entire nation. And his argument is going to be, a bush told me to say this to you. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you've ever tried the argument when you're trying to win somebody to a cause or exercise extreme authority in a situation. I, I, I can probably guess, man, boy, beast and girl, that we've probably never ever said, well, actually a bush told me to say this to you. We've probably never said that because we would go... That's, they're going to be taking us away out there and giving us nice drugs to keep us happy in a pink room. Moses being aware of that fact actually says, what is your name? Who is sending me? And at that point in time, we get this extraordinary expression where we get to hear God's name. Not a title, but a name. He says, I am that I am. I am the becoming one, the one who, everything that my people need is the one who is sending you, Yahweh, I am that I am. And then on in your Bibles, and you'll probably find in this particular psalm, in mine it's not written in capital letters, but wherever you see the word Lord in capital letters, it is that name. And we look at the word Lord and we think, oh, it's a title, it's a title. In that instance, it is not, it is the memorial name of God. It is Yahweh who said these things. I am that I am has said these things. The very name in which promises have been made to us. Psalm 32 verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and my eyes are upon you. The promise of Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the first two verses, it's an extraordinary, supreme promise because God has said, I have magnified my word my promise, even above this memorial name. I always find it interesting when they they come to Jesus in the garden in one of the the gospel instances, they recount uh, stories that's recounted there. They they, they speak of coming to him and they challenge him. They, this, he asks them what they're doing and they say we're looking for Jesus and he says I am he and if you notice in the text it says they all fell back from him. Maybe you want to think about that one. And all he said was I am he. God has placed his word even above his name and he has given promises that to us are significant and powerful and life changing and they are personal so often they are personal to us notice what he says in in, in verse 3 he says in the day in which I called to you you responded to me and you made me uh, you, you gave me boldness and placed strength within my soul Okay. second thing here you know Almighty God listens to your prayers. He listens to my prayers. Now, he listens to everybody's prayers, but he actually listens to your prayers. He listens to my prayers. In this instance, David says, When I called to you, you heard my prayer and you made me bold strong within my soul. We, we don't know, or at least I don't know, um, the context in which this particular psalm was written. I don't know if it was David in a cave. I don't know if it was David in a battle for the kingdom with Absalom. I don't know if it was David after Bathsheba. I don't know if it was David in between the the throwing of the rocks with Goliath. I have no idea the context. But, but David himself says, when I prayed to you, when I cried out to you, you heard me and you responded. Right? God listens to your prayer. He listens to my prayer. that's important I, I, I don't know what your prayer life's like mine, mine is like the rest of my life reasonably chaotic um, the other day I got, I, I got off a plane and got stuck in Singapore for 12 hours and I'm praying Lord get me out of Singapore please Lord you know, and the Lord heard my prayer nothing wrong with the place of Singapore I just was sick of being on planes just prayed going into Fiji we're looking at establishing the church for the, the church board and registering the church and I'm thinking this is going to be like the hardest thing in the world to do doing something in Fiji when I'm on the ground for less than 48 hours that involves technical legal things I'm thinking like this is like this is not even a hit to a um, it's not even a bridge too far you know it really is like it's not going to happen this is going to take three years and we got 90% of it done I praise the Lord, and, and oh, ye of little faith. That is me. Oh, ye of little faith. God hears our prayers. Not just about what we want to do in terms of ministry, but personally, about our hearts, about our kids, but our husbands, our wives. God cares. God hears. He then goes on to mention the fact that all the kings of the earth will ultimately celebrate the Lord when they hear the words of his mouth, they will sing ultimately the ways of the Lord because he is great and glorious is the Lord. That's something that we will see. Not in this moment now, but we will see. Ultimately, the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now, What's interesting to me next, what happens in the next two, two verses, in verses 5 and 6, um, I don't know how it's interesting, introduced in your Bible. It may say, though. Mine says, Anki, say, even though. And what you find is there are two objections raised because when we start talking about the Lord personally in his grace caring for us there is a moment in my soul of hesitation where I go well I just know me and I know me better than anybody else knows me and there's no way that that God should be interested in me and what we see the psalmist actually raises two of those objections because the first one he says even though the Lord is exalted and we, we, we recognize we know, we understand we are not like him and he is exalted why should he care about us? It, it's interesting traveling a lot and because I, I travel I end up with like privileges to go into all sorts of places that, that, that you know posh people go <laughs> who who have loads of money and do stuff. And it's really ob- interesting as an observable thing to watch how people who have great resources often react to everybody else. It's not always the case. One of, one of, one of the most impressive people I know, the most humble and great person I know and his wife are, are some of the most richest people in the world. And they're really Normal. But that's not often not the case. And so we, we recognize that sometimes is when people are great, they are exalted, they have great authority and great resources. They are the least per people so often who are interested in me and you. And we can take that mentality and be moved from a truth by it. But look what the objection that the psalmist addresses says even though the Lord is exalted, he regards the humble God has a concern for those who are not exalted and that could be of state state and station in life, it could be of finances it could be of, of broken heart, it could be of so many different things but the Lord regards the humble simply saying to the Lord, I don't know what to do. I frequently find myself and, and I, I, I'm working with a church in Germany looking for, uh, helping them find a pastor and, 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 and they have this expectation that I know what to do. And in reality, I spend a lot of time saying, I don't know what to do, but let's pray, let's ask the Lord because he, he knows what to do. The Lord has regard for the humble. But he recognises the proud from far away. If, if if the objection to him personally expressing grace to you is that you are not worthy, you're right. You aren't, I aren't. But it does not stop the expression of his grace towards us, because even though the laws are exalted, he has regard to the humble. The second objection is raised in verse 7. Well, this is not my experience. It's not my experience that God is is so personally... It's great for you, but this is not my experience. Look at what he says in verse 7. Even though I walk in the midst of adversity... You will conserve my life. You will extend your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. There is an element to which David is saying, this isn't my current experience, but I believe that you are this God of grace who will do these things. There's an expression of faith there. And how can we rely upon that? Well we can rely upon that because God's word tells us so and his word exalted and magnified even above his name that instructed Pharaoh to say let my people go. Romans 5.8 we said at the beginning God demonstrates his love towards him that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. This may be uh, you may be living in a very real experience that God really cares for you personally. It may not be your experience for a variety of things. My encouragement is take the promises, take the word, take the attitude that David had. And he says, you will, even though I walk in the midst of adversity, you will, future, save my life. You will extend your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand will save me. And then verse eight, the promise. For me, it's the promise. The Lord will perfect his works in me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me depending on your your version. We need to understand this word perfect because when we talk about the word perfect, there's probably a, a variety of things that run through our minds. One of them is perfect means without sin, which is a legitimate understanding of that word. He's not dealing with that sense of the word here the word here has this sense of being complete in the same way a circle is complete right the Lord will complete, perfect bring to completion the things that concern me that promise for me personally has been so significant as we've lived in different places we've served in different places we're currently living in, in, in the northern hemisphere helping to establish ministry to pastors across a whole range of stuff but our kids are here our grandkids are here as of two weeks ago um, our heart's here in so many ways and do, do I, would, I, would I prefer to be here in New Zealand yes I would But where blood bought. Right? Jesus bought us with his blood, precious blood. He, he gets to assign us to where he wants us to be. He gets to place his pieces, his resources on the chessboard of the world where he desires for his glory. So both and I know we're supposed to be in the Northern Hemisphere at this point in time, is it where we'd like to be? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) See how difficult it is to get super rugby in the Northern Hemisphere? Sorry, just slipped out. See, there's no perfection here. Um, But there's there's that sense of the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That in the situation, the context in which I find myself, Almighty God, operating in His sovereign nature, can move earth, heaven, visa authorities, finances, borders of nations to fulfill that which He desires to do in me and through me. That's nuts, but it's true. And it's a promise which God says, I hold as my word even above my name. The Lord will complete the things that concern me. In one translation, in the translation I've got, it says, he will complete his work in me. And I think both of those are very legitimate. God, there's things that God wants to do in us that he wants to complete. And there's things that he wants to do Through us, that He wants to complete, and He says, "O Lord, Your mercy endures forever. Do not abandon the works of Your hands." Where the works of His hands? You know, there's there's other works that are not involving us, but we are the work of His hands. This is a final thought to encourage you in that. To, to, if you turn with me to um, Ephesians 2, verse 10. It's always funny when you're using a different, I don't know if you find this, but when you're using a different Bible to the one that you're normally using and you're used to seeing things at a certain point on the page. Do you, does that Has anybody else's experience and you're looking for them and it's not where it should be? And it's not that it's not an anointed version. It's just the fact that it's a different Bible. So Ephesians 2.10 says this. You know, after, after basically saying that we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, the gift of God, not by works, he then says, but we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians two ten. There is a committed promise personally from the great I am, that he has prepared a path for us to walk. We are his workmanship. Greek word is poema. We we get the word poem from it. We are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works. The, the idea of the works here is is not just to do stuff, right? I love people who do stuff, but the idea is works that are useful. Sometimes people are a flurry of activity, but it's not very useful. But God has called to us to useful works beforehand, before he ever knew us. That we should walk in them. It's interesting, I, I spent a lot of my ministry life dealing with young people. And uh, they, they always say the same age, and you get older. I don't know if you noticed that. So when we started doing Bible school, you know, the kids were 18 and 19, we were 35. And, you know, you know they're still 18 and 19, and I'm 61. And that's a mileage issue. trust me, that's a mileage issue. Uh, and and, and you, you hit a different point in your life. I'm in the last third. I want to use it for Jesus. Don't know what that's going to look like. But God is as interested in my last third as my first third and the mid-third. And he has plans and purposes and things for me to walk in have yet to come not just in the first five years or six years or ten years I mean our neighbours, bless them, in England we live live in England, we live next door to my mum who's 90 and we we live in a little community with some some, uh, other folks and they really don't know what to do with us because they they don't they just see us disappearing in the middle of the night with a suitcase and then coming back you know, and and, and they ask you, how was your holiday? I was, I was in Hungary working with Ukraine. Oh, okay, that's not a holiday, okay? okay. So they ask you these sort of things and, 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 and they're lovely, they're lovely people but, but they, we, they can't get their head round what, what we sort of do. And uh, so I heard my mum explain it one day to somebody over the fence. She says, don't know really what they do. which She, she doesn't know what we do but, but she says, uh, but they're doing good and lots of it and and, that's a, and you know i live with that i'll live with that explanation i'll live with that explanation the faith we have the calling that we have the grace that has been poured upon each one of us in this room is not only global it is personal It is Jesus' grace personally extended to you in your circumstances with all your weirdness. And I don't know about yours, but I have a whole bunch of weirdness. And he's calling for what is now, what has been, and what will be. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. When I was reading my my daily reading this morning, which I did not always seemingly not always get to do these days easily. Um, and I, and I, there was just one phrase in it that I wanted to, to, to share with you because it struck me as significant. And my, but this is, my daily reading is, is The Promises of Grace, Daily Biblical Medications by Charles Spurgeon, which I think is normally the checkbook Bank of Faith, I think, is the book in English. Um, and there's a point here, and I, and I think these are the same, even though it's in a different language. Uh, I think the... The readings are the same ones every day. Um, but he, he makes this point that today's reading is about the fact, interesting enough, is that God himself will work. That's the title of the devotion. And, and, and he goes through it. It's based on Isaiah 33.10, which we're not going to read because time's gone. But there's this one point in it where he says that God will work in the most opportune way time he will intervene in the moment most appropriate to demonstrate his glory and it ends with a prayer saying Lord intervene in our lives in such a way that we are made to see so clearly that this is your work of grace Now the enemy of souls will tell you this is not true and you're not worth it. Half of that's true. You're not worth it. In ourselves. But his grace is poured upon us. Spurgeon said this, he said, Upon a God whom I cannot see, a life that I did not live and a death that I did not die rests all of my eternal hope upon a God whom I cannot see upon a death that I did not die and a life that I did not live rests all of my time that's who we are we are children of grace today our salvation our future the hope and the plans of that future the personal interaction of God's grace in our lives is based upon the very fact of Jesus and not upon me And whatever those promises are that you have, hold them dear. Because the Lord himself has said, I have magnified my word even above my name. And the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and pray that you would seal these things in our hearts. Because I need to hear them for me. I need to know that your grace is as personal to me as it is to anybody else. And your grace and your care is such for me, whatever my circumstances. And I thank you for the word which declares that that indeed is so. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.